you've got to have a filtering system that doesn't allow you to, to really let things root too deeply. Um, again, Alex, phenomenal topic. That's why I brought you here. I want to transition into uh, the Q&A, guys. It's going to be rapid fire. Right now, I'm only taking hand raises. So uh, if you Yo, want Tanner. to participate in this, hold on one sec. If you want to participate in this, raise your hand and I will bring you on uh, for a verbal question um, just to kind of keep, keep things moving quickly. Um, so please raise your hand if you want to ask a question. Uh, go ahead, Eric. You had something to say? Yeah, well, I selfishly wanted to ask a question, but Brad did beat me to the hand raise. So I just want to, I just want to say, I don't know how you guys do that early morning thing. You know what? I, I can do to. early mornings, but you know what I do is I clock out of work every day by three o'clock so that I can get to the gym at three thirty, work out for an hour, so that when I go home, I've any aggression or anger or frustration, I've just beat beat it out of me at the gym, and so when I get home to my wife and kids, um, I, I'm at a hundred percent. Love it. Love it. Yeah, not easy. Not yeah, easy. so I selfishly have a question for like Tanner and Alex. Um, because you guys know each other really, really well. And Tanner, one of the things I've always admired about you that I love picking your brain about is how you have three crews. Uh, you don't have a project manager, you don't have a GM, uh, you only kind of have half a salesperson, and yet you barely work in the painting company and you're building the software along on along the way it's culture. It's all those things you've done. And it seems like Alex, you've done something really similar. So I guess there's two people that have done something similar that know each other really well and each other's businesses really well. Like, is it pretty much the same thing? Just hiring the right people, building culture, or are there things you guys have done differently to achieve those things? Well, yeah. I mean, it's nurturing culture and cult it's cultivating. Like if you think about what a farmer does on his property, you know, you've really got to cultivate the soil. And that's why the employee routes, truly difficult like if you have people to, and in the same way subcontractors are too because you've got to cultivate these relationships to the point where you know outcomes of the individuals that are working with you in other words like you know how they're going to handle situations of stress you know how they're going to handle certain customers i take scheduling very seriously i know which project manager to pair with which customers i guarantee mm. you alex does the same thing like we know who to, we know their personalities so well, you have to be a student of your people. Like for me, I just know I am not going to give Ray someone who is a high strong customer because if there's high, and I can tell because I'm active in the communications of that customer, I know what questions they're asking. I can already tell they're having anxiety. I'm putting Shamel there, my highest paid individual who runs a crew, the person who I trust the most, the person that has been with me for the longest, the one that I know how to handle all sorts of stress because he's going to eliminate me having stress, right? That's why people get paid more. Literally in business, people get paid more to take on responsibility and handle stress. That's it. So for me, I just know that he's my A player in that situation. He's going there. So it's about understanding first your people and then being able to align them for the most successful outcomes for each job, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, is my am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tanner's one hundred percent right. You gotta cultivate what I what I did. So look, my first year of business, I was doing nine jobs. I did it a little selfishly. So I saw the outcome of that. I had some selfish crews, some cancerous people in the company, right? So I stepped back and said. Do, do I want a business like this? And I was like, look, I'm going to cut half the, the guys, the ones who have good hearts. I'm going to train them to be phenomenal. 
And if it becomes phenomenal, I'll keep it. If it doesn't, I'm selling it and I'll do something. I don't really care. Mm. I care about me. I care about like, uh, I care about like how I, my lifestyle is right. If I'm not happy, I'm not going to make the guys happy. So that's what I ended up doing. The guys who were cancers, I took out, I kept like six guys. So I'd like still had five, six crews. I poured, I told myself, I'm going to pour my wisdom into these guys. They're going to be so phenomenal. I call them phenomenal every day. You're phenomenal. You're awesome. You guys are terrific. You're the best. You can own your own business and you stay with me. Thank you. I'm just, I just pour into them how phenomenal they are. And then when I get, they do their own touch-ups. Like, hey, you got to touch it. Like, all right, I'll do it on Friday when I'm done. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Thank you. Touch-ups, I hate, bro. I do eight jobs a week, man. So they, they come in. So it's like Brad, yeah. Brad, you got one coming up. Um, someone someone asked, how did you get 50% referrals with never painting a home? Uh honestly, I think that Rachel and I have a pretty big circle of influence locally. Um, people know us, and maybe more importantly, people like us. Um, so we had when we when we made the announcement that we were launching and we were we made it very public on on Facebook we just got, we got a lot of traction really quickly from friends and family either they either wanted to hire us for our services or they were, um, they were pushing us on their own social media. And then very quickly, I mean, with the number of subs that we had working, the number of crews we had working and the jobs that we were producing, we, and the, the quality of our customer service, those customers were immediately referring their friends and family. So I think we completed over 150 jobs from May 17th through December 31st. Love it. Love it. Elijah, come on in. Thanks, Elijah, for being an uh, all-star participant. Go ahead, bro. Well, uh, you give uh, so much so much information, I can't help but have my mind reeling with questions. So I'm <laughs> going to try to combine two questions in, into one general phrase. So how much of building the business is these two parts, routine and experience? Because I am a man that is coming into the painting business uh, fresh, never had never painted anything two years ago, opened a painting business. So I'm running into the experience side. And now as I'm growing, I'm running into figuring out routine. So if you'll talk about routine experience. Good, Brad. Yeah, you guys, so I would say, can raise your hand too on this. Yeah. People, companies that rely on experience are going to be limited in who they can attract and train and retain companies that have systematized everything, made everything repeatable and teachable and coachable and trainable. Those are the companies that are going to be able to grow much more quickly. So I would, you can use the, you know, been in business for 20 years to your advantage when it comes to marketing, but as far as relying on that, when competing against someone else and competing for market share, I would say routine habit systems are going to win the, win the day 99% of the time. Um, Eric, do you want to hit on that from a, from a outside business perspective? Um, I don't know. I feel like Bradley kind of nailed it, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, a hundred percent, I think experience goes a long way. I think it can be really, really helpful, but I, I don't think it's like your end all be all. I don't think it's the most important thing. Um, well, one of my worries when I launched Ellis and painting and one of the reasons why I wanted to buy the other company is they had like a thousand something reviews online, right? And I'm like, well, how can I launch Ellis and Painting if no one no one knows who we are? We don't have any reviews. How, why would anyone yeah. ever buy from me? And that was one of the things that was leading me to buy that company rather than start my own. And you know what I discovered? Doesn't matter. 
it'll matter. help eventually. And that's why I continue. I think we have 52 yeah. five-star reviews now on Google, but, and I'm going to continue to try to get more and more. It'll help, but you don't need it. You can overcome that. The, the lack of experience. But um, it was a belief that you conveyed though. Going to Alex's point earlier about just that belief and that like, dude, you had very little fear. And even though you worked for a company with hundreds of reviews, little old Ellison painting was small and mighty. And I think all of us can align with that. It's like, when I first started my painting business, I would Google companies like, man, they have 20 reviews. They have 30 reviews. Like who's going to pick me, you know, like based on that. And it's like, I just believed if I showed up and had an opportunity, I'd beat them. You know, that's just how, that's just how it was. Um, I, I guys, I'm going rapid fire. I just want to make sure I try to get as many questions as possible. So if I cut you off, don't, don't be offended. Um, oh, real quick, real quick. Yeah, uh, just with that, um, with the belief thing, I started, I, I went, I left from a company uh, who I branded and made very, uh, um, you know, they're very popular. Uh, so when I went, I don't know, I, I kind of get a little delusional and I get a belief system where it, it doesn't really matter about anyone else. Like I get in my own bubble and I'm like, I don't really care about anyone else. It's I'm going to be this successful regardless of what's going on. Like, and, but as a good person, you know, I'm, unapologetically like here what's up you know i'm mm -hmm. coming for this in a great way good energy but i'm not like the only thing that scares me is my own thoughts in my head about stupid things <laughs> love it love it what advice do you have for someone starting from the bottom with a very limited budget but really striving for success so let's assume they have less than a thousand bucks yes scrappy like anybody who wants to jump on that one um, my little advice is just get, get scrappy, get tough. Uh, it's, it's like not the fun advice, but, uh, seriously, um, get, get scrappy, honestly, get tough, go knock on doors. One job away. You're one job away. Like that's the mentality. I think we're, it's just one job away. Like that's crazy. Right. I mean, the startup costs in this industry is super low. You're one good job away from getting a check for five grand. I don't know. Yep. I think, the, yeah. I think it comes down to like, what are you going to do with the money when you get it? Cause a lot of, if you're like, bad with money you don't know to reinvest it but where do i reinvest it well because if you got that job on a whim you're going to be a little intimidated when that job's starting to finish and you got nothing else coming i think it's all about momentum would you guys agree i think all of us are in the same position i just have a certain amount of jobs left on my schedule you know bradley you have a certain amount of jobs on your schedule you know Alex, certain amount of jobs. We're lit, Skyler, certain amount of jobs. We're literally in the same boat as someone just starting out. Yes, we have income now, but we've just been disciplined in cycling it through. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely can agree with that. So the smaller budget starting out, you know, it's going to take time for you to get built up on Google. Uh, Facebook isn't always cheap. So what you really need to do is identify what works in your market. Every market's a little different. Sometimes door hangers kill it. Uh, sometimes you can send out an email blast, any prospects that you may have touched base with in the past. Um, Angie and some of those shared lead sites work well. If you're good at selling like Tanner is, I know he speaks highly of those sometimes, um, figure out what works well in your market and reinvest. I think you just need to kind of, um, spread it thin to start with if needed. And as Tanner said, get, get that first job. Yeah. With, uh, I would say, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I have a different mindset, you know, I was, re I was ready to rock and roll. I, I, I was ready to go broke. I didn't really care. I was just ready to evolve. I didn't, I, I don't care. I didn't care about money. You can't you literally did buy out a shop and put five booths in it when he only had like, I think it was two guys. 
<laughs> but you so, really did. So, so real quick with uh, so what I would do, like if I was in that case, right? Like a uh, thousand bucks, I'm trying, you got first mindset, whoever you are, believe like, ah, I got a thousand, but I'll have 10 in about two months, right? Just believe it, right? And then wherever you're painting that job, like Eric said, scrappy, go around that whole freaking neighborhood, knock on doors, put door hangers, like that's what's gonna, you know, help you out big time there. And then you have a bunch of phenomenal people here, become it, believe it, all right, be intentional, you are it, and then be grateful and use God to help you, all right? You, all these guys will give you information on how to do everything, build your budget, spend it wisely, get the marketing out there. I'm telling you, marketing's huge. Brand yourself, do videos, pictures, post it on Facebook. That, I mean, I would, I swear, I just went, I have 450 five-star reviews in three years, you know, like, I, I went, that's my, I branded it. I got one for Brad. I got one for Brad coming up. What advice would you give someone who is struggling to find subcontractors? You were going to hit on this, but I've seen this question 10 times already. So uh, I would say the first thing is to be the type of contractor that subcontractors want to work for. Um, we don't view subcontractors like a lot of other companies do. They view them as disposable, as you know, totally replaceable less than I view my, I view and treat my subcontractors as partners. My subs, my, my, my value prop to them is pretty simple. You will make more money working my jobs than you've ever made before. And I'm going to make your life easier than ever before. All they have to do is show up and paint. I, we do a phenomenal job at spending money on marketing, generating leads, selling jobs. We handle all of the scheduling, all of the paint ordering, all of the billing, all of the collections, everything. All they got to do is show up and paint. Um, but in order to attract those subcontractors, I've been pretty intentional on how to get them. Uh, I use my Sherwin-Williams rep. When my Sherwin-Williams rep asks me, you know, what, what can I do for you? What do you need from me? I never ask for cheaper paint prices and I don't ask for steak dinners and golf outings. I say the exact same thing every time. The only thing I need from you is referrals to subcontractors. Wow. Yep. Love so that. that's, that's number one. Um, number two is the Facebook group, quite honestly, Tanner, I mean, you, I've been so blessed. I was one of the very, very early members of the painting contractors group. And then you invited me to be a moderator and then an admin. And that's how I met virtually everyone within the industry. And now that I've kind of established a little bit of notoriety within our industry, I have guys coming from that painting contractors, Facebook group to me looking for work. So I would say, make yourself visible, participate in conversations, um, and, and portray yourself as a type of contractor that these subs would want to work for. Hmm. I love it. Um, anyone else want to hit on that? Uh, I, th I think Skylar, what is your strategy on, on subs now that you're transitioning? Um, just for finding subs or managing them or finding them. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think a lot of it's, I mean, what Brad said, I'm talking to my Sharon Williams reps. I'm talking to the guys that are, that are already my subs um, and just saying like, hey, who else do you know? Who else is doing the same thing you're doing? Um, I mean, a lot of my subs are, are Hispanic and they're all, they all basically live right in the same community. So they, they know each other. Um, and then I'm also just posting on Craigslist and I'll get a lot of calls just from Craigslist. And then we also get a lot of people just like inbound directly through our website. I think just because we're like at the top in our market, like we'll get lead form fills all the time from, you know, and we'll call the guys and they'll just say they're looking for work. Um, so 
also that would be a you know the guy that's starting out that doesn't have any money like if you need jobs like call the big painting contractors in your city and you could be a subcontractor and you know make decent rates and you know save up a little money until you can get your website and marketing and and everything else uh up to speed so love it i'm gonna i'm gonna be the advocate here and ask the marketing guys some tough questions that contractors want to know hey bring it let's do it <clears throat> ready let's if do I it hire, if i hire you and i pay you and you and you don't produce leads for me you know what happens then in other words like what if what if the lead flow isn't what's promised what if the results aren't as promised eric you want yeah, to take that one yeah, I'm yeah so i got i got a i got a lot of hot takes on this so specific <laughs> specifically you're saying if the lead flow promised was not delivered yeah agreed i mean there's always a so, lead flow promise there's an average right there's a certain yeah it's a tricky one it's a tricky one for me because we i don't like to focus on lead flow i like to focus on roi i've had so many people that got didn't get many leads but they were setting appointments and selling like almost every, like 80 percent of them and there's weird markets and different things going on. So I try not to focus on that, which, which makes it a tricky one. I think ultimately, like, honestly, the best advice to give to the painter, if it was painter to painter, would be at the end of the day, you have to take extreme ownership over all of it. This is not what I would say as the marketing business owner, but if I was the painter, take extreme ownership all of, over all of it. Success comes down to you. It's, it's on you. It's on you to figure it out. It's on you to work with your marketers. It's on you to... Uh, give advice where it needs to be. It's on you to reach out, ask for help, ask what you can be doing, um, figure out the sales process, figure out what else you can be doing, et cetera. I think that's really the only way you can operate in business rather than just blaming a bunch of other people. Yeah, Alex, what's up? Yeah, I want to, he, he's right. Eric's right. So I have a, a guy, uh, he's actually, well, well anyways. Um, but I, he does my marketing on Facebook and Instagram, but I, I hired someone to, professionally do before and afters and videos and and make my social media phenomenal like if you're going to use social media you know or, or or your website or something for marketing like you better make it look good right these guys aren't magicians like if you're using <laughs> the google your website looks like crap what they're gonna go and be like i don't want to use these people or you your facebook you have a before and after that looks like a 1980s camera took it like what are you thinking you know like you have to it's like you're meeting in the middle hey what do i need to do to make you better that's what i would say in terms on my end because i talk to my guy a lot i go and he said hey do these reels these reels are working big time on this and that we got to elevate to this this is the algorithms are going towards this we got to start so like you got to work with them just like you work with your you know, subcontractors or anyone else, because that's kind of what it is. Got to be there with the team and, you know, accountability, no matter what happens in your business, it's your fault. So that's, that's where I, uh, that's what I believe no matter what. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's good, I, Eric. That's good. I, I got a few talking points on this. If you don't mind hopping in. Well, you're next. Good. So um, there's a few things that I really like to focus on here. Uh, first of all is expectation setting. Anytime we, uh, we talk to a new client, we turn away about two thirds of business. So if you make it to our sales call past the initial discovery phase, you are part of the one third minority. All right. So I'm not going to take your money. I'm not going to promise you the world. We're going to discuss exactly what you can expect up front. Um, if we identify that you're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you, then we're going to give you our time. 
Um, the second is quality over quantity. All right. So as what Eric had stated, your time is money. So any marketing agency that's going to promise you guys, you know, guaranteed X amount of leads a month, run. Because the problem is the, the quality of those leads generally is not going to be high. And at the end of the day, would you rather have 10 leads you can close or 50 leads and only closing 10 of those leads? I would rather save you the time, deliver 10 high quality leads. So at the end of the day, you can focus on what's more important and that's growing your business. Uh, and finally, you get out what you put in. So to Alex's point, we give our clients two homework items every month, and that is delivering reviews. That's something that we cannot capture. We give you the tools and the resources and the training for that, but that is still on our clients to produce. And the second is media assets. Uh, so we can go purchase all the stock images in the world, do a great video for your, uh, your campaigns out there. But at the end of the day, it is Google looks at unique media and that's what it ranks. Um, so you get out what you put in, we build the car, you supply the fuel. 100%. Thank you for uh, the honest answers. That's just honesty. Yo, I mean, there's nothing better than that. What's up? La last little thing I'll add in that, guys, if you think about every single non-marketer that spoke, right? What was a common theme? They all spoke about marketing and their involvement in it. They were involved in it some way or another. So the biggest thing I say, like tie all that together as well. Like you want to make sure some of those things are being hit. Like you have to be involved. And that's like not the popular thing. That's not the sexy thing. That's not what a lot of the marketers are yeah. saying. But if you just want to pay somebody money and have them provide you leads, like, dude, go to Home Advisor. Um, like we've started turning away people that just don't want to be involved at all. The reason Bradley like crushed it in the first couple months with us was because he had marketing knowledge. He had some of these skill sets and he was super involved. All Everybody you heard speak was talking about how they were involved in their marketing and sales process and developing that and working with their companies to do that. And like, that's one of the quickest ways to get there a lot faster. Love it. Love it. I, uh, all right. So we have, I'm in the startup stage, got my license last week. What should I focus first? So, I mean, that's a loaded question. Um, Brad or Skylar, you guys want to jump in on that one? Tails. Sell jobs, then figure out how to produce them. There you go. Sell the jobs. And I think that's a crazy misconception. It's like, well, I don't, I don't have anyone to help me. It's just sell as many jobs as you can. And then you're a lot more motivated to find help when you have work. Right. I think that's yeah, the key. I was going to say, if you got a job, you'll get your butt out there to find someone to do it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Don't, okay. You'll sit there and worry about it. I got a drip jobs question is drip jobs have built in estimating templates and doesn't handle crew scheduling. So uh, I get asked a lot about production rates. Um, we, don't, we just don't have it yet. Uh, we'll have it at some point. It's just, um, we're actually building something different. It's called a profitability um, calculator, you know, and I, and I pulled the group and I, I just generally know this knowledge that a lot of us aren't using production rates. I don't think Skylar, you don't use production rates, do you? No. no? Brad, you don't either, do you? I don't even really understand what yeah, production me rates are. It's very complicated. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's, it's but it just takes so much time. Like you got to measure everything. Really production rates are good for big companies that want to systemize structure for estimating. You know, for me, I think all of us can identify how long a job is going to take, how much time that's going to be for our guys, how much that's going to cost, how much materials it's going to be, you know, what's the high end, the low end of that, and what material cost is. And then from there, identify what profit we want to make. So we're actually building something a little bit interesting that will allow you to calculate all that stuff on the fly and adjust your line items to ensure that whatever profit margin you want to hit is how you price your job. So we're actually going the other way, um, which is going to be a lot easier. Um, so that's to answer the estimating template. 
uh, what software are people using uh, that works well with drip jobs? So our vision is for there to be very little software that you would need in excess of drip jobs. But I'll tell you that for me, I'm using QuickBooks time uh, to manage my employees time clocks. We're actually working on an integration for that. So we'll be able to pull in those timesheets and automate your job costing. The second thing I use is company cam. Uh, if you guys are not using company cam, I mean, Alex, I just sold Alex on it yesterday. He does not like hard adding. To sell me on things. Yeah. It's very hard to get Alex involved. Uh, if you are not using company cam, it is one of the best apps out there. Bradley actually introduced me to it. I think, um, open phone, awesome job, right? Brad. Yeah. Awesome job. Open phone, uh, is a cloud-based phone system. So this is good for you guys that are answering your cell phone. Let me make a point on this and then I'll pass the ball. Okay. When you sell your business, because that should be your vision to always build a business in the direction of if you were to sell it, are you going to have to give up your personal cell phone to, to complete that transaction? And if the answer is yes, then, I mean, that's not a good thing. Okay. Okay. That's your personal number. No one wants your cell phone. Okay. You need a cloud-based phone system that can easily allow you to transfer phone calls, allow you to pass along that number with the sale of your business. So those of you that are answering your phone and it's your cell phone, now's the time to switch it. But Tanner, what if I have customers call me? They're still going to get to you through your personal number, but any new number, any new customers are going to see the new number on the cloud-based phone system. So open phone is another really good one. Um, and that's it. Anyone else using some different software that I didn't mention? I just want to emphasize the importance of company cam from a marketing standpoint, right? It just, it's going to make your life as the painter easier and our lives easier to access those media assets. So right. get on it guys. Guys, there's a discount on the drip jobs website. Uh, there's an, our partners link. So go to dripjobs.com, hit our partners and you get uh, three months discounted. Um, all right. So what strategies can a painting business employ to ensure long-term customer retention could closing deals quickly and charging premium pricing be a viable solution that yields positive results across the board? All right, so let me start with uh, Alex Gedman. Here, go through the, the first question again. It was like What strategies can a painting business employ to ensure long-term customer retention? Long-term customer retention is, I would say, customer service 100%. Like, you got to be the best uh, person. You're, you know, you got to make that homeowner feel phenomenal. Uh, you got to do everything you can. And then branding, you got to brand your company so people know who you are, people know where you are. I would say customer retention, um, just making sure you show up the best person you can be, and then your crew shows up and does a phenomenal job. And then, you know, I would say that that's how you start with customer retentions. And then you do the automations, you know, you could set up your own automations with drip jobs where you keep in touch with your mm -hmm. customers over time. And, you know, that, that's a, that'll make them feel good about each other, you know, about them. And then they can refer you and stuff like that. Brad, um, I just want to push back on the branding comment. I, I just, I want to, we all need to take a, a gut check if you own a, a painting or coding business, our brand is virtually meaningless. What I mean by that is I know who premium painting is of wherever Tanner's from. And I know who PGH painters is arguably the most famous painting company that we know of is who Nick Slavic painting and restoration company. If you go to new Prague, Minnesota, and you ask hundred people on the street, who's the, who are the painting companies around? Most of them would not be able to know or, or come up with the name Nick Slavic. 
So having a consistent brand within your marketing, yeah, I think it's very important. But as far as yeah. customer retention, I think it's a pipe dream for us to think that we're going to build some household name brand. Uh, I just don't think it's, it's going to happen. happen. I'm it's just not, trying to be real. That's a very good point. I want to also say that customer retention is interesting in our business. There's a usually a seven-year gap. Hopefully, yeah. we don't need to retain them that much. I mean, we if we're, if we're retaining customers that quickly, we don't need them. We need them for if they buy a new house. No, but Alex is absolutely right. It's, it's absolutely customer service, number one. And I would say number two is maintaining contact with that customer right. moving forward, which is brilliant with using a CRM like Drip Jobs. You set it and forget it. You know, you can build out drips. I don't know how many years in the future. And every year you can hit them one time. Hey, just 99,000. Yeah. How many, you got any upcoming projects you want me to take a look at? Boom. Yep. Now yep. you got an opportunity for another Love estimate it. six years later. Love it. The discount code on drip jobs was uh lift off 23, by the way. Um, all right. So I got another one here. Um, this was from Elijah. I just signed my first large job, $20,000 in a wealthy community expenses are about six grand that leaves 14,000 left. How much of that should be used for marketing? And what could I expect from that marketing? I'm concerned about being overwhelmed with large marketing because he's a solo painter, but he wants to grow and do it right. So Zero dollars and zero cents should be spent on marketing. If you're a single painter, what do you need to market for? You can find work. The, yeah. the only reason you're, you want to spend money on marketing is if you have other painters to produce the work with or for you. Um, again, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk, but that's the reality. Take that profit and freaking put it in your bank unless you're trying to actually grow. And if you're trying to grow, then I would say invest that into training, recruiting, and then once you have, and then start selling jobs assuming, or invest it in marketing, assuming right. that you, what we said earlier, right? If, right. if you're going to stay a single person painter, don't invest a dollar in marketing. If you're actually going to grow, then invest it, sell, but then you have to find the painters after. Austin, you want to jump in? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, if you are a one man show, there's no, you don't need marketing guys. You can, you can generate enough business on your own time to go fill up your schedule indefinitely. Uh, it is not until the point where you feel like you're ready to scale and grow and you have the capital behind you that you should start investing in marketing. Um, that I don't know, that may be an unpopular opinion, but that is definitely, we turn away, as I said, more business than we take on. Uh, we do provide resources though. So ultimately our goal is to get you guys who are the one-man shows into the multiple crew territory. It takes time and energy. It's not something you can plan on doing nine to five, right? This is This is a full-time job and then some. Uh, but keep in mind, you own the job at that point. You don't own a business. Mm -hmm. So when you want to start growing, you need to start working on the business and not your job. Uh, so that's that's my take. I'd be interested to hear what Eric has to say. Yeah, I mean, I I echo a lot of what you guys said. Um, if you are moving out of that solo painter role, great. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, like I've seen a lot of our clients and a lot of people I know go through this. Like it's, it's tough, man, because you're hiring and figuring out marketing and sales, sometimes at the same exact time, you're kind of doing two things at once to get out of that solo painter role. It can be really, really freaking tough. Um, but to answer the other part of the question in terms of like, okay, let's say that is what you're deciding you want to do. You are ready for that. Great. How much do you budget? How do you set aside for this with specific projects, et cetera? I wouldn't worry necessarily about specific projects. Kudos to you. That's a really high profit margin job. Like that's freaking awesome and all, all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> the way I budget is if I was you, I'd look at... <clears throat> What's an amount I can put into this every single month that one, ideally, hopefully is enough to move the needle thousand, couple thousand bucks that also like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be struggling because of this. 
is not going to affect how I live my life or pay my bills or feed my family or any anything like that. Um, and then in terms of expectations around it, ex- in terms of expectations, expect nothing, especially for the ha- first handful of months, right? Uh, depending on what marketing channel it is. And like Austin said earlier, when you're talking with marketers, when you're interviewing them, hone in on expectations and what to actually expect. Don't let the excitement uh, get to you too much there. Okay. But beyond that, what, what I always like to see, this is the KPIs we always followed at Thiels, the bigger modeling company I worked at. And it's pretty close with, you know, a lot of uh, big painting franchises and stuff you'll talk to essentially 10% or less per channel. Right. So once we get 90, 120 days, et cetera, we're into this, we got our sales process dialed in, we're rocking and rolling for every $1 we put into marketing. We want to be taking out 10 or more in revenue, right? Ideally on an average across the board um, in terms of just, it's going to look different for every company, but in terms of just general things to look at in terms of what to expect, um, that's what I'd say on the other piece of it. Boom, boom, boom. Phenomenal. All right. Uh, I want to get on paying people. So just so you guys know, Alex, Brad, and Skyler, uh, mostly subcontractors. Um, so, you know, I guess we can talk to them. If you guys have any employee-related questions, I can help you with that. Um, let's start with you, uh, Skyler. How do you work out your pay split with subcontractors is yeah, this something so, that you well hold on because this is the confusing question here when you go up to an estimate do you already know what your subcontractor's pricing is going to be how do you confidently sell a job if your subcontractor is going to be like yo dude you really underbid this like what does that dynamic look like yeah so i'll go in i'll bid a job and then essentially for us we keep it pretty simple i mean my prices pretty much always stay the same and uh, I pretty much give my subcontractor 40% on every single job and pay for the paint. Um, and as, as long as my rates are the same across the board, uh, they're always getting the exact same payout every single time. So I know if they're happy with the first job we do or the second job we do, they're going to continue to be happy with us in the future. So it's not like this ongoing thing where every single job I'm sending him photos and we're renegotiating. If the first job went well, he's happy with the pay. Um we're good to go from there. So, and I try to be on the, on the higher side for all that stuff. So yeah. What about you, Brad? Yeah. So what we stress to our subcontractors when we're bringing them on board is that most of the jobs that we sell are going to be with the split that we give them is going to be a home run. So we do, we do a little differently. I don't, I don't build the price of paint into my estimates, as you know. So if I sell a $10,000 job, that's 10,000 in labor. Um, I, for the crews that started with me year one to reward them, I was paying them 55% of that. Uh, Ellison Painting kept 45%, and then the customer paid for paint at the end. What that numbers looked like when you add everything in, it was about a 48% to the crew, 40% stays with Ellison Painting, 12 goes to uh, 12% goes to materials. So what I tell them is like th- most of the jobs are going to be home runs. They're going to be very profitable. Some of the jobs are singles and doubles. And what we ask them is when you get the singular double and you're not making hundred dollars an hour, like you were at the job before, just know that the, the another, home runs coming up later. So, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, but we also give them the freedom um, because I'm certainly not perfect. There are going to be jobs that are, are either I bid them very poorly or it becomes not profitable because of things that are outside of our control, whether that be a really, really picky, naggy customer um, delays, whatever the I've given my crews permission to ask me for a, a higher split on any given job. And what we found, there's been one job out of 150 that I had to pay a crew a little bit more. 
And I insisted. They were like, no, 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 it's fine. You know, we'll just, we'll eat it on this one. I said, you will not, you'll never lose money on my jobs. I'll eat this one. Appreciate you. We'll get you back on the next one. Hmm. Um, so like Skylar said, it's like once you form a relationship with these people and they see how you treat them and how much money they're making and how easy it is, you don't have to negotiate each job. You sell the jobs, you split them, everyone's happy. Alex? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they pretty much hit it on the head. It's mostly the relationship with the guys. Mm -hmm. Like they love me, I love them. They know I'll never do them wrong. You know, they, I give them a percentage that's super fair to them. The, if they ever feel like it's not fair, hey, I had to do this, this, and this. And, you know, I, I forgot about those things just because I have so many jobs going on. Um, you know, I'm like, hey, that's awesome. All right, what do you think you should have got? Mm -hmm. Oh, you think you should have got that? Here's an extra 50 for messing up. You know, here's an extra 100 for messing up on top of that. Dude, we make, we make good money. Like, at the end of the day, if they want an extra 100, 150, um, here, take that. Be happy. Like, thank you for working for me and being phenomenal. Um, yeah, that's how I, like, they need a day off to go with their wife to the doctor. Hey, you know, you got to finish the job this week. I don't care how you do it. Just go communicate with the customer. You communicate with me. Make sure everything's like great with the job. You finish by the end how it needs to be. Cool. I give my people 100% freedom. Um, and they, you know, 100% freedom to talk to me about anything. I coach them in mindset. Like if they ever have issues during the week, they'll call me and be like, hey, Alex, I'm going through this. I'm like, all right, let's go through it. What's up? What's going on? So it's just, uh, I see them more as family. Um, that's why they've all been with me for three years. No one's left. Uh, in the cabinet painting business, that's pretty tough. A lot of people leave. It's very rigorous, the work there. Um, but, you know, I have 12 guys. We're all friends. You know, they all come to the shop. It's a place where they can, you know, let off steam and, you know, enjoy their life. So that's kind of how I run everything. And I'm super cool with money and all that stuff. I don't need all the money. You know, I just want to be happy. I got a question here for me. Why did I choose employees over subs? Um, you know, I started with subs. It just didn't work out for me. I think, you know, everyone has a different approach. I like the control factor. I saw, I actually started with a few individuals that, you know, if you look at it, I have three crews, you know, subs or not without anyone asking me, it doesn't matter. Yes. They wear my branding. They wear my logo. They're just crews, but they're just classified differently on paper. Um, so, I mean, it's just a matter of, do you want to organically build your teams? I just didn't want to rely on another company in my area to come in and do work for my customers. I wanted a culture of premium painting employees. I thought it to be easier to, I was very confident in my hiring process. I know I can find an employee, you know, within a day based on what I've done in the past. So for me, like, I really love the idea of building teams by hand. I personally believe that, you know, it's a very long-term strategy, not saying that subcontractors isn't, but there's a lot of variables with subcontractors that I don't have to worry about, you know, um, in you just in the same breath, subcontractor guys have a lot of variables. They don't have to worry about that come with employees. So it was just a matter of choice. It's just something I felt more comfortable with something I was used to having some management experience. Um, and really I was kind of confused on the sub model specifically because here in Florida, the, you know, the, honestly, the prices are a lot lower, like here in Florida, than if you were in Michigan, some of you guys will agree, just house painting in Florida in general, is just not, you know, it's a dime a dozen. I mean, it's year around 
Um, there's no waiting. No one ever has to wait, you know, for a paint job. So I found it hard to believe that I would be able to consistently sell jobs with enough room to pay another sub crew, uh, you know, to, to do the work. So the margins are a little bit better for me. Um, and it's, and it's just worked, you know, so. and it, really quick, let me jump in on this. So, um, I have, I have W2 and I have subcontractors, but they, they were, they were all W2. And then I, if they, I asked them if they wanted to become subcontractors to make more money, um, and they would have to do certain things on their own. So I, I gave my, my guys the option to evolve and then they could still evolve. Like I have one guy going to Dallas opening up a branch soon. So I let people, whatever they feel they can accomplish. Can I train them? I'm like, remember, this is this much energy going out there. Let's make sure you know what you're getting into. Okay. So I make sure everyone understands what accountability they're going to need to have at certain steps of the way. But when they ask me for something, you know, I'm like, all right, how do we get you there? Um, so I have both. I have both. Uh, and they, they're one both of the biggest, yeah. one of the, one of the biggest stressors of employees though, is that I've got to get 40 hours a week for everybody. You know, the interesting thing with subs is that Bradley can sell a job and if they finish it in four days, great. If they don't, then that's on them, you know, and that's kind of a really nice trade-off because you're not sweating to make sure everybody gets their hours. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, there's definitely, uh, you know, something I'm going to, I got another well, and one, question. Sorry. Go one ahead. of the biggest factors up here too, in, in the Northern States is the weather, right? It's, right. it's, it's easy to find common. exterior jobs. It's really harder to find interior right. jobs. So right. eight, 80% of the revenue for a company like mine is going to come during the six months outside. So what do you do? Lay off 70% right. of your employees every winter. I don't know. It's, it seems easier to have subcontractors. You can scale up and down. Exactly. That's another, that's another big reason. Uh, yeah. Up North. Yeah. Okay. I got a, I got a question here. Austin, you mentioned that you'd be, be willing. Oh, wait, never mind. I think this was a, was this a question? Should I answer it? I want to go to, I would love to breeze. I already, uh, oh, you already, you already, you already yep. touched base. Then. All right, cool. Um, Tanner, okay. You're stressing about the guy getting the guys 40 hours. Um, you know, really again, like, you know, in the same breath, if Brad and Alex and Skylar don't have jobs for their subs, the subs aren't going to just sit around. They're going to go find some else to work. I mean, naturally. So it's about staying ahead of the curve. I just have to stay ahead of my employee's schedule. I just got to make sure. And you know, what's really, you know, interesting is it's just the same. Like I've got to make sure that there's marketing. I got to make sure that there's, you know, a constant flow of appointments, estimates, um, to ensure that, to ensure that happens. So, um, Hey Tanner. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick with my W2 guys, I still, it's, it's by week. So I'm like, I'm going to still pay them a certain salary per job and they can finish whenever they want. And then it just go there. That's how they're paid a compensation wise. Um, so I don't have to find them 40 hours. I just have to find them a job and I tell them I'll, I'll pay you uh, this much, uh, you know? So sometimes it's a little smaller. I'm like, yo, I'm going to pay you a little more like, Brad says, you know, and then, Hey, on this one, when it's, you know, uh, when we do hit a home run on price point, you know, we'll work it all out, but yeah, it, it all, it works out either way. I feel like if, if you put the effort into figuring out what everybody wants, do any of the panelists have any questions they want to ask each other, spark a conversation? All right, guys, we're tapering down. Um, I want to thank everyone for coming in today, man. That was awesome. I think at one point we had like 220 people. 
sitting in, uh, which is like super cool um, for only promoting this for a week. So it just goes to show that there's a lot of value that uh, still to be shared. I'm sure all of us could have added an extra hour to our talk, but I uh, want to thank you guys again. Um, connecting with Alex. Just remember, Alex has a podcast. It's called the Boom Nominalism Podcast. And uh, he'll it's be a little more spiritual than business. Yes, uh, definitely. If you haven't <laughs> gathered that yet. You definitely going to be a spiritual one, and it's awesome. Um, uh, so, Alex Cabinet Coding Kings, Google Alex's company, guys. Check out uh, what he's built on his online reputation, right? Model people that are doing things that you're doing. Uh, Bradley. Uh, is just an open book. You can find them in the painting contractors group. If you want information on being a subcontract, uh, recruiting subcontractors, I'm sure Brad's an open book for that. You can find them on Instagram, Skyler, uh, same deal at PGH painters. Skyler is really just doing a great job. Somebody that's just learning as he's, as he's gone, surrounding himself with great people, um, and has built something really special. Again, Google these companies, Google cabinet coding Kings, Google Ellison painting, Google PGH painters, just see what they've built and just copy it. Uh, Austin base coat marketing. If you guys don't know, some of you guys came in late. Austin did a presentation this morning, uh, on, uh, excuse me, Google and SEO. He created an offer for you guys, which is he will run your Google ads for free. Uh, that's, I don't know. You will never get that anywhere else. I didn't even know he's going to do that today. So please reach out to him. If you feel as though you want to, uh, hear a little bit about what he's got to say. Uh, Eric is our Facebook guy here. He shared a lot about his appointment setting, um, you know, uh, system and how he's generating leads on Facebook and just kind of the approach it needs to take. Did you have something that you wanted to offer, Eric? I didn't catch it. I'm sorry. Nope. Just hit me up on social if you got any questions or want to chat yep. more. At Eric Foz everywhere. The, the marketer with no offer. That's okay. You Sometimes, hey, you know what? That's okay. The value was there. One thing I will yeah. say about Eric, if you decide that you want to, you know, invest in Eric's company, they have such a good team. It's like a family. Like it really is like, you guys are like a family. You guys are partners with Hand, us. Handful uh, the of them are on here now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're on, they're in here now. You know, you guys are such a good team. So if you want to be a part of a community, um, aside from what Brad had mentioned about being a part of the PCA, I feel like Pathfinder is a freaking community. Like, you know, you guys are so great community. You get coaching calls, uh, every other week or uh, there I go again, twice a week. Dang it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, guys, drip jobs. Please uh, invest in drip jobs. Uh, you get a 60-day free trial today. Uh, just go to dripjobs.com, put in liftoff23. You'll get a coupon code for 60 days, uh, absolutely free. And the cool thing is both Austin and Eric, if you decide to hire them, will be able to send your leads right to drip jobs. Uh, Kim has actually a question. She raised her hand, so I'm going to let her uh, finish off here. Sorry, Kim. I think so. Can you hear me? Hey, Kim. Yeah. What's your last name, Kim? Kimberly Gilliland. Oh, of course it is. Hey, Kim. <laughs> um, I have a question actually for Austin um, that I just thought of. Um, when you were talking about the website earlier, you were mentioning having pages for like the locations or the areas that you're working in. So for instance, I'm in Oklahoma. And um, even though I live in El Reno, most of our business is in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is about 45 minutes away. And so I never thought of having specific pages for those um, areas that we're working in. And so my question, I guess, is more of a technical question. Um, on our website, would I just create pages like Red Tulip Designs slash Edmond, Oklahoma? Or would it be like a hidden page that I would click on? I, that's what I'm trying to, that's what's been kind of rattling in my head here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a client site of ours that you can take a look at. 
That way you can okay. get some ideas. Um, in general, the, the way you want to approach these things are just identifying what somebody in that target market would be searching for to find your site. So typically it's painting company in city state. That's a good starting place. And again, you want to format your, your headings and your titles around that. The rest of the content will flow together. Uh, but again, I'll send you an example of what a location page looks like, how that differs from a service page. Your service pages are going to be very geared towards the service you offer and light or sparse on location-based content. That strategy, and again, okay. your, your location pages, you don't want to hide those. You want those to be featured. They should be up in the nav. We usually put them under a service areas um, tab. And um, that's going to be, other than your homepage, the second most important page on your site. Okay. Um, I just had a question and it just flipped out of my head. Um, what about um, cabinet refinish? That was my other question. Uh, because ours is just specifically cabinet refinishing or cabinet painting. And so I try to, because a lot of people around us don't actually use the term cabinet refinishing. They use more cabinet painting. Correct. Um, but then a lot of people really use painters. But then when I was using that wording, I was getting a lot of people trying to find wall painters. And that's not something we're offering right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely want to gear your content on the site around cabinet painting. Keep in mind that Google will attribute any words that precede another term together. So if you have the word cabinet painting, it's going to take those two words and identify them as your cabinet painter. Uh, cabinet painting in that particular term definitely outranks cabinet painter. So if you want to use yeah. painting, ING, that's the better term to use there. It has a high, much higher search volume. Uh, we crush it with cabinet painting. I, I Anytime we have a cabinet painter come to us, I get excited. It's... um. For whatever reason, it's just a, a very unique service that allows us to, to really kind of pin down the market. Uh, we have a guy mm -hmm. out in Illinois who was booked out for like four months off of just organic traffic alone from because it hasn't hit painting. peak adoption yet. I'm yeah. sorry. We yeah. <laughs> on, on average, we were booking out for about six months in advance, but over the past couple of months, it's kind of slowed down. And then Facebook messed up our marketing uh, for our ad and. Then they accidentally deleted our ad. So it's just, it's been chaos for the past two months. And I've been working with Facebook trying to get that fixed. Yeah, your your Google business profile will not rank more than, you know, 15, 30 miles. Uh, you can get your website to rank anywhere. So you mentioned that it's 45 minutes away, create a location yeah. page around that, build up some content around that. Um, and you shouldn't have an issue there. Talk to Eric about your okay. ads though. Okay, yeah. awesome, thanks. Whatever, whatever restriction or something you ended up with, just hit me up. We deal with that stuff all the time. So yeah, they, they, they say I deleted it and I know I didn't delete it. And so I'm like, I, my, I my I guess is you, uh, my guess is you probably got flagged for like a housing category or something. Facebook's AI to flag for certain categories and stuff like that isn't the best sometimes. Uh, so sometimes yeah. it'll do that sort of stuff and delete and shut stuff down. So that'll be my guess well, without been, seeing the inside. I've, I've been working with somebody directly from Facebook marketing, and it seems like since I've started working with them, things have kind of gotten crummy. So, so. I, I got to be honest with those. Maybe you did get a good one, but for the most part, those Facebook marketing experts, like unless you're spending millions of dollars a month, they're, they're normally completely useless. Um, yeah, like, they. I was yeah. <laughs> kind of explaining things to him, and I'm just like, okay, this is probably not going to work. <laughs> Brad, yeah. did you have something you wanted to add? Not about that. I have another question for Austin. Okay. Austin, are you there? Yep. Okay. Your camera's up. You got to touch your camera. Oh, hang on. Thanks. Sorry, guys. Um, real quick, Austin. So Ugh. 
I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, you're listening. <laughs> um, the Google business profile or whatever it's called now. Yep. So we, our business address is still my house. Now we have a an office that we're renting out, but it's like a temporary space until we hire three more employees. Then we're going to get a more official office space. But our Google business profile is my house, which is fine. I live in a pretty affluent area. And on for Google rankings on the bu- Google business profile, we're number one where we live and cities north of us. But the problem is 95% of the business that we do is south of us. We're ranking very low. So would it, would it, would you advise like getting a, like a PO box or something in like an address where we have our, our business address centrally located to where we want to show up top? I mean, what, yeah. what are the strategies there? So your, your Google business profile, the only way, again, the proximity is the biggest ranking factor there. Yeah. So in order for you to get that ranking in an area that you're struggling with, especially if it's a high density area, uh, you need to move the address and you need to be careful about that though, because Google will suspend your account. Tanner's very uh, familiar with that process. So what'll happen is you want the business documentation. Uh, As long as you have business documentation to support that, you can get any suspension lifted. Um, So what I would recommend you do, you can't use PO boxes. Uh, Google will not allow that. What you can do though, is a virtual address or a shared address. Now, Shared addresses, you got to watch out for. There's some spammy guys out there that'll have a house and they'll have 500 PO boxes or 500 units at their house and Google catches on to that. So you want to make sure it's something that you're paying for that's a legitimate, you know, post office box, but without the PO in it. So um, when, we, when we move to our official office, which is more centrally located where we do business, you, we should absolutely change our business address to that. Yeah, just make sure you have, there's two forms of documentation that you need to make that update in the event that Google penalizes you. Uh, and that's legal documentation. So something like business insurance, um, business filings, anything like that's not a recurring bill. And then you also need a utility bill. Okay. So the easiest way to do that is just to update your business insurance with your new address, uh, get that paperwork in the mail, and then go update your cell phone bill or something. It just needs to have your business name and the address on it. From there, go update the address. They're gonna send you a postcard, you verify that. After that, there's a 50-50 chance that Google flags that. Mm. In the event that they do flag it, you just simply upload that documentation and they'll put it back online for you. Brilliant. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, Somebody said for $100 a month, Regus is a national company. You can get a mailing address and use their common shared space with Wi-Fi break room. I'm sure Austin, you know, if somebody wants to chat about that, I'm sure Austin will be able to. All right. to, to jump in. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to head out. Uh, appreciate all of you. Um, this recording will be on the contractor secrets podcast. And then eventually I'll get a video out at some point uh, for you guys to rewatch it um, again, Skylar from me, Skylar, Austin, Brad, Eric, Alex, and of course, Zach not being here, but just so thankful for you guys for, for sharing your wisdom today. I'm sure you guys could have made a lot of money today. Uh, all of you guys, but you decided to opt out and give back. So that means the world. I'm sure it'll come back tenfold. We so. were making money today, man. I got guys working. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you. Thanks, Get Tanner, it. so much. Thanks, Tanner. All right. Thanks, Thank guys. you, guys. Right. Take care Thanks, now. Thanks, guys. Be the man.